mindfulness mode. Don't accept your struggle as life sentence. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show today. We're going to be talking about mental wellness today, and we often talk about this, but today I have an expert on this topic, and he's a groundbreaking psychologist with 30-year career behind him that challenges conventional wisdom and I've just had a very short little chat before I hit record with him and I found out already I'm totally intrigued about some of the things that he said and he has a very exciting new book as well he has degrees from Columbia University he introduced the revolutionary concept you are not depressed you are unfinished And I think that's a very, very powerful place to start. And that actually is the name of his book. You are not depressed. You are unfinished. So I'm excited to tell you that I'm here today with Dr. Artashir. Dr. Artashir, are you in mindfulness mode today? I definitely am. And uh, yes, I am. And I can share with you what I do with mindfulness. But yes, definitely I am. Yeah, I can't wait to hear. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Dr. Artashir? It's been present and here and now magic happens in here and now so when you're here and now you feel your breath you feel your heart you see the steps the trees the birds chirping right now outside my window you hear that you sense that you're part of the nature you're part of tapestry of being you're one with everything you feel connected you feel grounded you feel safe well tell us what brought you to this place that you would write a book with depressed in the title did you experience depression yourself i did i did and um, growing up uh, in a family mom was depressed dad was depressed six siblings we were all and when you poor family you don't realize that you think everybody's like that but there's a look they have and then you go through life, you fall in love and uh, met my wife, uh, we met and married in New York City. And I knew there's something not right with me. So I went to graduate school, get my doctorate, triple major, five, four masters, and a lot of education. I was trying to figure out how to heal my own depression. And it took 30 years of research. And I learned along the way that we psychologists and actually humanity, we get depression backward, mental illness backward. It's almost like your car's broken. You There's a sound from the engine. You go there to the shop and you say that, I just want to make this sound go away. A good mechanic says, open the hood. Let me take a look to see, you know what? Actually, this car hasn't had oil and filter change for years, you know, you're the, the parts falling apart. You go to the source. Mental illness, they are consequences. They are not causes. That's the reason therapy takes so long. That's the reason healing takes so long. We, as humans, are designed to heal. So part of my struggle when I was, and I, and I went to seven psychologists over the years, psychiatrists, medication. So my Depression would get better, but it would show up again. We show up mm-hmm. again. And I had come to the point that I said, okay, I will pass through my life like mom and dad depressed. And there are several epiphanies in 2012 when literally I was contemplating, how do I take my life? You know, I, I, I just couldn't go on anymore. 
and I ask a different question. Instead of how do I heal my depression? How do I heal my anxiety? I ask the question, what is depression? What is anxiety? I went to the why. Those questions shifted me, changed me. Then I realized that anxiety at its core is about getting a sense of balance, predictability, and control. That's why mindfulness is important. When you're anxious, you feel you're going through like a skydiving, free falling. And you need to land somewhere. Your body knows it. And depression is a sense of life, human emotional needs unfulfilled. You cannot medicate med the depression. I know people who listen to their own medication do not change anything. You cannot drug it. You cannot distract it. You feel you heal depression through fulfilling the life you have. If you're depressed and depression lingers, it means that there are some of your emotional needs, human needs, those are your rights. They have been ignored, violated, and dismissed for so long. And you know it too. Depression is your own signal of your own signal of your soul, SOS to yourself. Say, wake up, wake up, and you know it. That's why you're depressed. Depression is mourning, sense of grieving. Once mm. you know that. And one of the things you say is depression and anxiety are twins. They're twins. They feed off of each other. So let's say you can be very anxious, but not depressed. Mm. But if you're depressed, you're anxious. There's a difference between feeling depressed and being depressed. Right now in our society, a lot of stuff happening. Job loss, financial, death of the family, so on. Being depressed is sadness, and it's part of life. When we're depressed, we are basically seeing a sense of renewal. Things are changing. I may be out of job. I need my car is towed. You know, I need to go find something different. You know, it goes to renewal. When you're depressed, you go enter a phase of waiting and holding on, and that is where depression comes in that becomes clinical, that it just holds on. And you, we know from neurology, when we go to depression, our internal organisms actually start to almost like mimic death. They shut down. So in women, you have a lot of gastrointestinal problems, churning stomach. That means the stomach is really tightening, sending a lot of cortisol, adrenaline to the organs, but body is sense of them, um, imbalance in men you get cardiovascular the heart palpitation in their lungs they want to do something and after a while you just don't even feel those feelings you just know you're not feeling well the other way you know depressed you start to have a lot of body problem aches pains knees hips back so i worked in the healthcare and in the healthcare environment is known that every day across the united states in primary care adult up to one third of visits are what is called the functional illnesses. There's nothing wrong with you from your anatomy. They do MRI, they do tests, they say, Mr. Meron, everything's fine. But they say, no, no, I'm aching, I'm pain. Those doctors, primary care doctors know these are symptoms of depression. And they tell you that even in the hospital. The way they also, they know it, you have the most uh, largest volume 
of records to keep going back for medication, painkiller, give me something. Depression untreated leads to physical pain, ailments. We start just like a car breakdown. The way you heal it, you get back to finding yourself. Well, I'm just so interested that you mentioned that that a cure for depression is not found in medication. And what about what about uh, psychedelics? I mean, so many people are talking about psychedelics these days and how that can lift your mood and help you. Maybe you had a trauma yeah, that yeah. caused this to come on. Is that not something well, that the, the, is thank helpful? You. Very good question. Let me back up, you know, the, with medication. If you're taking medication, dear listener, please don't change it. You know, like, you know, stay with your medication, with prescription, don't change it. A lot of American Psychiatric Association, which sets the tone for the worldwide uh, healing process, they define depression as a mood disorder. Like you feel sad, you feel depressed, melancholy, and you feel low energy. That's where psychedelics come in, magic mushroom. I get this question all the time. So what happens, your mood changes because it changes the brain chemistry. You feel lighter, you feel better, you feel happier. 24 hours later is the same thing. It's coming back. There's a difference between feeling depressed and being depressed. When you're feeling depressed, there's a tragedy, job loss, rear-ended your car, you feel bad, psychedelics, the same thing with glass, couple of glasses of beer or this cocktail helps to ease the burden. But depression is about sense of grieving. Something's not right with you and your life and the way you live in your life. That does not go away. You will be back to the same as square. Depression, being depressed, response to an action verb is not about ignoring, it's about doing something. There are things you need to do. They're part of you, They're, which I, in my book, talk about. We have seven essential human needs. Once you know them, and we all have them, it's been with us throughout the history, cradle to grave. Once you know them, you claim them, you literally will see your depression lift, shifts, and turns to energy. In fact, I tell people, once you know what depression is made of, depression is signal. Once you go there trying to claim, make the life that matters to you, you will wake up one day. You are not depressed. You're pissed. You don't want to waste time anymore. You don't want to play like in defensive mode anymore. So psychedelic helps change the mood. But if this is not feeling depressed, is being depressed, it will not have lasting effect. Right. One of the things you say is don't accept emotional struggles as a life sentence. That's so right. if you're feeling this way, what can you do to move forward? That's right. That's right. So the first thing is when you go through emotional struggles, if you're listening to this, I invite you to just settle. And as Bruce talks about mindfulness moment, just take a few deep breaths. I want to watch you about what to pay attention to. Just settle. Notice you don't have to do anything major. Just settle and notice yourself as you're settling. Emotional struggles. When we have them, there are three components to that. And it happens 
it's almost like a mush together. It's hard to tease out, but usually there are three things going on. The first one is the charge of emotions. I feel miserable. I feel stuck. I feel hopeless. I feel lonely. I isolated. There are words. The, and the emotions go with that, that. That's where people go drinking, psychedelic, social media, just emotions come up and overwhelms us. Just notice that and honor that. You don't have to do anything. Just notice that. In the midst of all that, then there are thoughts coming, memories coming, narratives. You know, I'm in a bad relationship, in a bad boss. I'm not making enough money. You know, I don't like my car. I, if I had better patterns, there's some interpretation coming. Listen to that. Welcome them. You don't have to change them. Just see them as they are. Then there's a third thing that usually gets very elusive. That third thing is goes something like this. If only somebody loved me. Mm -hmm. If somebody was there that could just be sitting here and say, hey, you're doing okay. This is a space of yearning, of needs, of wanting something, wanting more, something that. That's where magic happens. So in emotions, thoughts, and needs. Needs is almost like if this was a tree, emotions are the branches and the leaves. Toss are the trunk. Needs are the roots. Once you pay attention to the needs you have, things matter to you. And my book, the second part about emotional rights, those needs, once you have them, shape to redesign, reorient your thoughts and your emotion based upon them. Many of us, we're trying to fix the emotional charges. I want, to, I want to suffer less. I want to feel happier. And in fact, what I tell people, opposite of depression is not happiness, is fulfillment. Mm -hmm. That there's a fulfillment been eluding you. So in those when you say, what do I do? I feel a lot of a struggle. See your emotions, see your thoughts and interpretation. And then what are the needs you have? Your needs are your needs. You don't need explanation. You don't need to justify them. If your needs, they're good. Figure out, are you, do you know them? Are you honoring them? Did you compromise? Did you give your needs away? Are you playing small? In your book, you talked about Zoe and you talked about Allison. Yeah. You talked about various people, which mm -hmm. was very helpful because, you know, hearing stories of real people is what can really help us connect to these. Can you share a story with us now about a real person yeah. that yeah. was able to transform their life as a result of what you did to help them? That's right. Yes. And um, there's a client that I'm working right now and I'm honored um, to do this work. All those individuals you mentioned, and you see in my book, they come to me because they are in pain. Mm. People don't call us this artist, you have depression and anxiety. They call, they may use that term, says, I'm in pain. And I just, things are not right for me. I'm a professional, senior vice president, money, I have my car, spouse. But there's a pain that has been there. I know it. I feel soulless. I feel dry. So... There's a, the woman executive I'm working with, she 
initially called me last year, last October, said that I'm in a, um, divorced in a partner that my partner is not feeling well. He's going through a job change. He's an entrepreneur and uh, he's suffering. I saw you in one of your um, um, seminars. Do you mind working with my partner? I think he's depressed, helping him. I said, of course. 48 hours later, send a note, said, you know what? Forget about the partner. Can you work with me? <laughs> so, uh. so, so when we met, she had almost like avalanche of emotions. So what happens when we, I love Bruce, what you said, when people struggle, when we don't attend to our emotions, after a while, it becomes a mountain of Everest of you don't even make sense of them. So the very first session, it was the download of, I don't even feel my body anymore. I know I'm aching. I know I had the uh, childhood surgery trauma, you know, in terms of she had se severe, you know, like uh, accidents. And I'm in a relationship I'm not sure is right for me. It was really data dump. The thing to pay attention when people call you and they talk about their emotional burdens almost always there is a physical burden, their pain, the back pain, shoulder pain, breathing problem, like my heart, they feel that doctor told me, you may have a heart attack, you know? So th those are, when that happened, means emotions held back, not expressed, not managed and released. So with this individual, um, what I do compared to 10 years ago, I, when I, that I was doing therapy, Bruce, what I do exactly, when people are in a state of distress, you don't do psychotherapy with them. The very first thing is you orient them toward mindfulness. Because an stressed brain cannot do healing. You need to make the person mind, body, spirit, being whole. See them as you are. Tap into your presence, to your grounding, find, find, your, find your feet, find your weight, find your presence, find your breath. And the question I always ask, I don't ask questions anymore from people, how are you feeling? Because also what we know from research, we have a lot more emotions that we have words for them. And this is cultural. I orient people to their body. That body has different organs. Each organ, different body parts, they mean something. Pain, whether it's in your gut, in your shoulder, in your chest, they mean something. So the question I ask when I guided this um, woman leader uh, settling and uh, finding her breath and she was calm ask her what is this, what is coming up for you what are you sensing the reason i ask that is sensation in the body they're also your feelings we just don't know how to name them if you have a gut churning which a lot of women do heart problem, chest problem, tightness, you feel your chest is collapsing, which a lot of men do, that's emotion. So when she talked about this woman, she talked about that, I cannot breathe. I have a hard time breathing, shallow breathing. My breath comes like to a chest and then doesn't go down. That's a sign of anxiety. I learned. So what I invited her to do, so I always start setting the body. I invited her to do, she was sitting. And this was over the Zoom, um, that if it's comfortable for you, she was calling me from her home, lay down on your floor. You can put the laptop next to your face, or we can turn it off, uh, all, I, all I need to do is hear you. And instead of 
feeling that you need to bring top down breath to your body. Imagine you're laying down, the earth supporting you, and the breath comes from your body and is like a wave washing through your body. What I was inviting her to do is really open your throat, your lung, your heart, and your belly so you can feel breath coming toward your body. What I was helping her to do was connect with your entire being. So, laptop next to her face, and I could see her, her chest trembling and tears coming out. Tears of sorrow, sadness, rush of memory. She, this was a 45, 60 minute session. Halfway through the session, she sat, you know, the cross leg on the floor, said that, you know what? I feel trapped. I feel mm -hmm. trapped. And um, I've been in this situation so long, I don't know what to do. She was talking about her relationship with her partner. Mm -hmm. The divorced woman as a teenager said that, I think I've compromised myself. You know, like the reason I can't breathe is like I'm angry, I'm frustrated. And so, so I helped her, you know, just you know, breathe more. 48 hours later, I got a text from her, said that I started to have a conversation with my partner that uh, I want to leave the relationship. I need to find me, find my, find my healing. So the work that happened, she had the, the difficult the physical experiences, the number of surgeries, including her only child cesarean, that after a surgery coming out of the um, maternity ward, she was left alone while she's still under anesthesia in the corner of the hallway. Surgeries were traumatic, regardless, any kind of surgery. And being alone in the hallway, she could hear people and nobody was rushing to her, to her, says, are you okay? Touching her, saying that we, we got your back and you're doing okay. She felt abandoned, half nauseous, and her body in pain and her anesthesia was, you know, wearing out. So she had body pain physical pain. These are, you see, surgery traumas. Subsequent session was, how do you release the surgery trauma? So trauma, this is important. Many people have it. Trauma basically means a sense of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. It's not about what happened back then. Is what are you sensing right now, the energy that you had? So what she had to work is that what do you want to say to those surgeons and the staff that you were left alone? She basically says that, please see me. Somebody touch my face, hold my hand, tell me I'm not alone. So things to express. So it was healing her pains in her body. All this time she was taking pain medication. A doctor, surgeon didn't prescribe for her. She talked with her surgeon and gradually weaned herself out of the medication because she learned how to process the pain outward. The third part she did with the work was that she said that I've been in a marriage that didn't work. I was in a partner relationship that didn't work because I was a good girl trying mm -hmm. to be a good, to be loved. The question was that, who am I? What do I want in my relationship? A healing process, when you heal, is about setting boundaries. When we feel depressed, anxious, ADHD, our boundaries are like a, a house that has no door, no windows, which say yes to everything, anything distract us. A healing, a healthy person has healthy boundaries. 
you say no to and says, you know when to say yes to and maybe she start to discuss you know the work that i want to go date again who is the right person for me do i like myself who am i and you start to date in a very deliberate way what do i tell my next person you know how do i have a better relationship with my daughter in terms of setting the tone so started to find herself the thing that mattered to her things that made her come alive and how do i show them in my life the things we do up to this day and she's learned to do this herself is the bad mindfulness how do you start your day in three to five sessions mindfulness zone and throughout the day whenever i feel that i'm in balance anxiety is you know picking up how do i settle find my feet find my find my breath and there are three questions she asks she ask always i, I share with her be present speak your truth your truth sometimes can be the worst idea but your truth speak your truth and be open to consequences be present speak your truth be open to consequences and claim your life one breath one interaction at a time so she's doing much better and now what we're doing we are working on generational trauma that the work she's doing setting the relationship with her mother and with her daughters to create a more better ecosystem so bruce you asked a simple question i give you a long answer i mean what yeah. is well please you know please ask. well it's a it's really great that you explained that to us and told us that dr artishir i want to ask you about the bill of emotional rights yes 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 thank you so so the, the, so basically the essence of that is we humans we have seven human needs this is cradle to grave we all have them mm -hmm. it's been through with us you've seen in literature all the way to greek philosophers but nobody's put them together these rights are biological and they're as essential as our dna structure mm -hmm. when you look at psychology psychiatry we had the vast amount of research about what does illness mean what we don't have is about what does it mean to be healthy there's actually a scientific gap. We have a bit of Abraham Maslow and Viktor Frankl. But lifelong, cradle to grave, what the beloved right shares that, that we have seven needs that parents don't give it to us, society, managers, leaders, mayors, these are our rights. And we can raise families like that. We can raise uh, corporations and communities. And the way I came upon it was... In all the work that I did, coaching, treatment in organization, I learned that those the three layers I mentioned, when people talk about their needs, there's some repeated structures. I need this. I'm longing for that. I wish this happened. Different words, different culture, but the same thing. So the Bill of Rights started more or less in this, um, this um, order. The very first right is the right of belong. This is the at when we are born, when we are born, whether it's mother or caretaker, our very first need is a sense of belonging, that somebody sees us, somebody holds us, somebody uh, looks uh, at us in the eye and uh, touches our skin. This is called about mirroring, you know, mother or caretaker. 
that you are welcome in this world. You're safe. I've got your back. You feel connected. This right is the foundation of healthy relationship and healthy attachment. And so the way that works, the right, the very first thing, the children are attached to mom, then they become separated and then become independent. But when that happens, there's this sense of I belong to somebody. We humans are tribal creatures. Healing is a contact sport. We don't heal alone. Sitting in a psychotherapy office by ourselves, that's not sufficient. We need to heal within our environment. And many people are isolated. And they know it. They're grieving for connection. To be seen, to be loved unconditionally. People may like you, may hate you, but you're loved somewhere. The next one is that the I am complete. And many people, including me for many years, you are fighting the yesterday's war, sorrows, pain of the past. What we know from neurology, this is actually quite fascinating. Our brain remembers events, but the experience of emotions happens in the body, is not in the brain. And body only lives in here and now. We feel only in here and now. So nobody taught us that we can use how brain and body interaction. What that means, if our body, if we feel certain emotions coming up right now, I'm really energized and happy, sad, so on, means a body thinking that experience, whatever it was back then, is happening right now. By doing anything that is helped to hear it, notice it, and resolve it, you create a new experience. This is very important. We are born and designed to re be reborn every second. So a lot of backward therapy, tell me about your childhood, when you grow up, and so on, which is a narrative, actually you are not helpful. They re-traumatize people and then hold them back then. Versus the question you want to ask, you know, all the truth you need to have is right here, present in this very millisecond. What are you sensing right now? What's coming up? Let's work with that. Create a new narrative. So that being complete, you don't need to go back there. Life is right now in this millisecond. The next one is I'm boundless. We, around the time of industrial revolution, we became talking heads. We go to therapy, we talk about it. We see the in corporations, we just talking heads. Humans are designed literally to think with our entire body. This is not about being fit, trim, having, you know, like, you know, the six pack or so on. It's about getting our bodies engaged in any movement, thinking processes. Why this matters? During the pandemic and Zoom calls, there were a lot of complaints about lower back problems. We go to doctor to say there's nothing wrong with you. What was happening? By persistent sitting or persistent long-term commute, body doesn't know this. Body thinks a, a, a live human being, a creature sitting, this is actually revolutionary, is risky. You can be prey for some creature. So body creates low level of cortisol and adrenaline, which means that get up, do something, move. So all these hormones built in the body tell your to muscles to do something and you're not. So your body's aching and you haven't done anything. 
we need to move. We are born to move, told to sit. As one of my friends say, born to move, told to sit. So the more you use your body with expression, with conversation, you want to talk, have a conversation with a friend, go for a walk, you'll have a much better conversation, richer, deeper. The next one is that I matter. Mm. This is about dignity. This is about honoring, having a place at the table. There are many people in corporations, societies, your own community, in school, that you are not seen. They enter the room, nobody turns around and look at them. They say something and nobody pays attention and pick up on what they said. This is about honoring. You're rich man, poor man, uptown, downtown, US, any place in the world. You're on this earth, you are bestowed on certain level of dignity, honor, and that's non-negotiable. You are here, you have a place. And once we share like that, body and our emotional health is restored. The next one is I make. You know this very well. There are so many people in the job that the money is good, they have kids in college, and security, healthcare, and they're just miserable. That's not their role. It was me for a number of years. I was getting in a key role, getting promoted, good money, and so on, but that wasn't my role. We all have a thing to do in this world, a role, a work, a contribution. Your role is to find that and go there. Not knowing that, you compromise and you pay a price. That's where depression comes in. I have a number of friends who are doing very well financially and say that when I retire, it's almost someday, when I retire, I will do that thing that I need to do. Yes, but what you don't realize, you're sucking the energy and your mojo out of your life for that someday. You are born to do something magical in this world. Step into that. The next one is I am. Like Bruce, you have a gift you're bringing. This podcast is your gift, is your creation. You bring conversation. This book that I'm writing is my message to the world. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has a conviction. Everybody has a contribution. This is your gravitas. Claim it. Many people are voiceless. That they go there, they're trying to fit in, trying to say things in a nice way. And then you see this in pain around the throat, around the chest, around the thyroid. And you see this, in fact, both in men and women. You see men in corporation, they almost overshoot, pound the table very strong, trying to dominate the conversation. Many women play nice and they become very soft, almost like a teenage girl talking. They don't want to annoy people. This is about finding your voice, the rhythm energy of your voice, and mentioning what matters to you. The last one is I soar. Behind me, and in my book I talk about it, Maya Angelou has a quote that goes, there is no greater agony than burying an untold story inside you. Mm. I have it right on my laptop for me never forget that we 8 billion people 8 billion stories what is your story once you have that story you bust out of any limitations you have you have a story you have a life plan you have a life purpose 
knowing that that literally busts depression, you you're awakened. And I tell people, everybody has either Michael Jordan or Serena Williams inside them. There's a greatness. We play small. We play to fit in versus be you, be the greatness that is already designed. And when you do that, anxiety, depression, mental illness start to dissipate and settle. Dr. Artishir, thank you for sharing with us the Bill of Emotional Rights. And as we move forward, I want to ask you a question about bullying, because I've worked in that field for some time. Do you have a story you can tell us about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, so when I was a kid, all the way to um, primary school, I was a target for bullies, maybe because I was a I loved books. I was quiet. I was a skinny kid and somewhat well-behaved. And they were beating up on me a lot. Mm. And I would go home day after day with ripped clothes. We didn't have much money, so it was a struggle for my parents to sew my clothes back again. And I remember my mom one day pulled me aside and she said to them, uh, it's a phrase that loosely translated and says that whatever scares you, don't run away from it. Turn around and face it. Mm. And um, I didn't know what she was talking about. So the next time the bullies came, usually it was a pack of three boys bigger than me, more muscular. Again, I was a skinny kid. They started to pick on me, and I just stood there. Before that, I would try to run and hide, go behind the poles, go behind the doors. And this, this I, just, I forgot exactly how it happened. And I, they pushed me, and I pushed them back. And I was so scared. Yeah. So I got beaten up again. But maybe happened one more time. But after that, they left me alone. Ah. In fact... They start to spend time with me and realize that I had a lot of a story, scientific, you know, nugget to share with them. What I learned from them, it was the fear that was paralyzing me, that I'm small, that, that I didn't realize that I was small, I was a skinny the kid, but there was a goodness inside me. Find my goodness. And those boys, when I looked at them later, I realized they were from troubled family. They were lonely. They were hurt kids. I didn't have to bother them. Just all I said that, leave me alone and I will honor you. So it was about knowing my fear. Don't be driven by your fear. Just turn right. around and see what bothers you, what, what freaks you out, and just see that and work with whatever comes to you. Yeah, what a great story that is. I really like that. And as we move forward, Dr. Artishir, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30-second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Wonderful. There's a colleague that I have that we work together. The, she's a the bi biologist that... The, when the, the way she was a mindfulness expert and role model for me, the way even she walked, that every step that I saw her, you could say that she's almost in her grace as she's walking on earth. She just, she was observing people, the room, the conference table and people. It was the way that by manner she walked and I started to role model her. And she's a really good 
mindfulness has been present in the moment. Right. Okay. My next question is about emotions and how mindfulness has helped you with your own personal emotions. You've shared a bit about this already, but can you can you sum it up? That's right. Thank you. Yes. To to tap into emotions. Emotions have wisdom. The emotions don't just happen. They mean something. The way to do that, you want to start with mindfulness, like the client example I mentioned, that settle into your body, your breath, your feet, your here and now present. Because once you do that, you find your gravitas. Then emotions come in. Emotions, they always have wisdom. They mean something. Then see what comes up for you and what is the opportunity. Emotions, they're inciting action. You need to do something, observe something, say something. If you go to emotions quickly, you will be in knee-jerk reaction. I need to do something. First to settle, find yourself first and see what is emotions telling you and what is the truth of the moment. It's not eternal truth. At this moment, what do I need to do? Could you sum up some thoughts on breathing for us? Thank you. Yes, breathing, the heart of breathing is noticing. Some people say that, the, how do I do a good breathing? And I tell them, you're already doing it. You're not aware of it. So the way you want to notice breathing, as you're sitting, you don't have to push breathing, fill up your lungs or so, so on to take more oxygen. Your body knows how much open up your lungs and how much oxygen to take. You don't have to force it. But your body adjusts that based upon activities you have. All you have to do is open up, sit in a way that your spine is straight somewhat and your, your diaphragm is open so your lungs have space to move. And just notice when your breath starts, your breath continues and when it ends. And when your exhale starts, starts when it continues, when it ends. Once you do that, that is the most magnificent mindfulness. Just notice the cycle of the breath starts, goes, stops, and exhale. That you find your rhythm. Excellent. Dr. Ardashir, your book, You Are Not Depressed, You Are Unfinished, yes. is a book that I highly recommend. Are there any other books that you would recommend to our listeners so there are if people like this book there's another book that is uh, by dr bezel van der kolk k-o-l-k the body keeps the score that i refer to the, to that book is been amazon best uh, the new york times bestseller almost 10 years and yeah then dr peter levine l-e-v-i-n-e phd he is the pioneer in the field of somatic therapy, somatic healing, about how to trauma, PTSD, ADHD, how do you heal them? I was trained by them in his methodology. He's very, very great author. And then if you want to go more in trauma, Gabor Mate, Gabor, G-A-B-O-R, and Mate, M-A-T-E, both of these these are all the, um, the first one, the, the two, doc, two physicians, two psychiatrists, and one psychologist. Their books are phenomenal. They are really groundbreaking and um, the excellent books to, to refer. 
Right. And which book by Gabor do you recommend? The one, The, the Myth of Normal, that just came right. that um, just came back uh, almost six months ago. It's an excellent book, The Myth of right. Normal. Yeah. yeah. I'll put all of those recommendations into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So Mindful Tribe, you can check them out there. And one final question for you, Dr. Artashir. What is an app that you might recommend that can help people with mindfulness? Yes, thank you. So the one that I go to is called Rain Rain. And what it is, is a series of authentic sounds of the nature, rainforest, of birds, the, of the fire sound, the forest rain or raindrops or April showers. So I love water. So you find the sound like crackling fire, blizzard wind, desert wind. You just listen. All of them evoke open white spaces. So sometimes I yeah, and I listen and whether I draw and journal and you literally you feel your heart rate becomes one with the nature, your mind calms down and you all in a very mindfulness state. And it's a very simple app. Beautiful. And I know that you can go online and find it at rainrainapp.com. So thanks for sharing that. It's so great to have you on the show. It really is. And I'm so excited about this book that you've written. And uh, before we wrap up, do you have any final words of advice for our Mindful Tribe listeners, Dr. Artashir? Yeah, thank you. So there was a call, somebody called me earlier, said that a lot of people are struggling emotionally and they don't know what to do and to get help. My invitation to your listeners, and this was me, don't accept your struggle as life sentence. We humans are designed for healing. It's our way of science that needs to be questioned, updated. It's not you. Your suffering is data, is expression. Listening to that, understanding that, reading my book, and there are other scholars that I mentioned, they will guide you to heal that we are not, really, we, we are designed for healing. It's our basic design. So my hope for all of you is that you basically start a process of healing. You, we, healing is feasible, is doable, and is actually not that complicated. We humans are complex. We are not complicated. We psychologists like me, we have complicated things. We are very essential people. We are essential organisms. Go find yourself, claim your right, and live a happier life, guys. Right. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Your website is humanworks, sorry, humanworkstudio.com. That's right. That's right. Human, Art right? Humanworkstudio.com. Yes. Or my name is very unique. Just do a search, Artichie Meron, I will come up. And I have a YouTube channel that the Bill of Rights in seven minutes, I give examples. You can hear me talk about it, what each one of them is. Go there, see them. If it resonates, please, let's start the movement. I mean, my goal is that on my grave, and I talked with my wife, that the following be written. He helped discover a cure to depression and ease the suffering of millions. That's the only reason I'm here. Wow. Well, that's a powerful reason for sure. Well, thank you so much thank for you. being on Mindfulness Mode. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. And the best of everything to your listeners. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show and thanks for subscribing to my YouTube channel. I've got 54 new subscribers and maybe you're one of them. So that is just great. Go to mindfulnessmode.com TV or you can go directly to YouTube and type in Mindfulness Mode Podcast. And I love it when you leave comments and uh, like the videos. That all helps me with my podcast. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.